The agriculture and food sector is changing dramatically. We're seeing new technologies. We're seeing challenges due to climate change. We're seeing circumstances like the war in Ukraine, which throws us a curveball. All sorts of things are changing. Does that mean we should be thinking differently about how we're training people for careers in in, in agriculture and food? And the answer is definitively yes. My name is Mike Von Masso, and this is the Food Focus Podcast. My guest today is Rene Vanacker, who is the Dean of the Ontario Agricultural College. And he needs to spend time thinking about how the environment that our students are going out to is changing and, and what the implications are for how we train people to succeed in that industry and to help that industry build a foundation of human resources that will lead to a successful future. I think you'll find the conversation interesting. Well, hi, Rennie. Thanks for taking the time to chat today. Thanks so much, Mike. Uh, great to be here. Looking forward to uh, the conversation. Well, Rennie, what I wanted to talk about today was was sort of, I think, writ large, how is the food and agriculture sector changing? And and maybe that's the first question. And then get to get to sort of more specifically your role and, and how does that mean how do we need to think differently about preparing people for jobs and to contribute positively in the in 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 food and agriculture. So so in your perspective what are some of the key things that are changing in 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 ag and food that that we need to think about as educators? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question, Mike. And I, and I don't I don't know if I I don't know if I would uh, classify it as change. I, I think about it more as uh, evolving and growing. The agriculture and food sector is always growing. Um, it it kind of can do nothing else but grow. It has to grow, right? Because uh, because of demand, and so it's always growing. Uh, so so that's one thing that's happening. The other thing that that's always happening in the agriculture and food sector, and 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 this isn't you know exclusive to the agri and food sector, is that it's always getting more sophisticated and uh, more complicated and complex. Agriculture has a an absolute history of adopting technology. <laughs> so I'm not even going to say a long history. <laughs> the history of agriculture is the history of, of agriculture adopting technology and advancing, you know, whether it was the wheel or yeah. the mold bore plow or um, plant breeding and animal breeding or chemical technologies, now data technologies. Uh, so it's, it's always been on that trajectory and so it always continues to evolve. And it also grows in that respect because in the agriculture sector, there's the farm, farmers and the farm. But so much of the sector is about what supplies that farm so that it operates in a modern and efficient way. And so the input industry into that farm constantly expands. Uh, and that's where not only technology develops, but technology happens and then the, the sector grows because that input technology sector grows. The food and food processing is the same. It's uh, it also expands in that way. What that means for us is, um, you know, and and this relates to me reflecting on the fact that our, our college is in two years is going to be 150 years old. And I think about when the college was established in 1874, and at that time it it was a very very simple affair. 
very limited number of disciplines, very limited curriculum. Sometimes our alumni say, oh, the college has, you know, so so, man, so many different programs, so much curriculum depth, so many different kinds of professors. Why is that? And I say, well, if, if you're starting an agricultural college now, the way you started one in 1874, in 1874, you started, they started that school at the time to say, well, this is going to serve the sector. It needs X, Y, and Z. If you're starting it now, it has to serve the sector. It needs A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so on. Because, <laughs> yeah, and so on. And so that that's one of our challenges is to constantly be current in terms of how we have to serve the sector as it grows and, and evolves. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because I think, as you said, you know, people look and say, well, that it, it doesn't look the same as when I was here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that doesn't even reflect sort of the 150 years hence. But but I think, and I, and I notice this on social media, and I notice this sometimes when I'm talking to alumni, you know, they say, well, there's some things that are actually potentially in in conflict with some of our core constituency. I mean, things like cellular agriculture, is that going to compete with traditional agriculture? The emergence of plant-based alternatives, which I know there are f- people in in food science who are doing things like more quote unquote, cheese that performs more traditionally that melts and that sort of thing. And I've heard some alumni say, oh God, why are we doing that? That's undermining traditional agriculture. And and I would say that's really sort of a reflection of that evolution that you were talking about. Uh, Absolutely. Um, You know, I I always think about approaching it in a this and that way and not a this or that way, because the reality of the marketplace is that there's not as much trade-off in the marketplace as sometimes people might think. The marketplace, in fact, is expanding also. It's also getting more complex. And, um, you know, let's take organic as an example. Organic agriculture has expanded. There's a, there's a demand. That organic demand has not at all, or maybe to a very limited extent, actually impacted the conventional demand. Yeah. The, the two coexist in an expanded market. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and so what are we to do about that? Well, we're going to support both of those things because we're going to support the, the entirety of that agriculture and food sector as it grows and expands. So yes, we're, uh, we're going to be supporting cellular agriculture. At the same time, we've expanded our support of animal agriculture because we know that in fact, animal agriculture is not going to disappear it will change and evolve and be different, but it won't disappear. And a hundred years from now, we're still going to be supporting animal agriculture because it will still exist. And we'll, we will be supporting cellular agriculture at the same time, because that, that subsector probably will have grown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, so I, I, I agree. I, I like, I like that sort of positioning where it's this and that, and, and there are activities at the university looking at improving the performance, not just the pr- production performance, but the environmental performance of animal agriculture and the environmental pr- performance of traditional crop agriculture and looking at not only sequestration, but more efficient production, lower emissions, Christine Bayes' work on reducing the emissions from, from dairy animals. It's, it's really about making everything better rather than saying this is going to be the replacement. It's interesting. I talk a lot about the diversification of our diets. And, and, it's, and it's not that someone is going to eat 
lab grown meat or conventional meat, the, the biggest demand will be from people who eat a little bit of both. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think, I think, again, that's a, that's a good way to position it and, and make it real. You know, I remember many years ago when I was chair of the plant agriculture department in the same week, we had an opening of both the Guelph Center for Urban Organic Agriculture, which urban organic farming. And mm-hmm. uh, and we in the same week, we opened the Bioproducts Discovery and Development Center. Mm-hmm. I mean, those those two things probably couldn't have been more different, but they both fit in the mandate. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So So with all of these changes coming to agriculture, how is that changing? You, you talked about ABCD, et cetera, et cetera, in terms of the number of programs and the choices of programs. So, so you can even, you, you can get primary production training in a variety of, uh, of enterprises, but you can also get training in food science. You can uh, get training in agricultural business, agriculture, you know, and, and understanding the value chains that there, there's this wider breadth, but in addition to the breadth, is there a change in sort of the composition or the or the focus of that training as well? Yeah, I, I would I would say there is. Um, you know, when when we go out to the marketplace, so when we ask employers what they're looking for in terms of our our graduates, they uh, on the technical side they tend to to say we think everything's great. They always want to they always want there to be a, a a constant updating of what is taught in terms of the technical side, you know, may, that may require some new courses. Uh, f- for example, um, you know, we've been introducing new courses uh, recently, for example, in terms of big data and agriculture, data management, and um, and those kinds of things, computational biology, for example. And, and they, they're usually happy with that, and they don't have much to say. But they always come back to us and say, you know, what, what we are looking for more of is what we used to call soft skills. And, and now I think the, the new lexicon is foundational skills. So we're looking for more of students' ability to work in teams. Uh, students' Students' ability to communicate always ranks very high in terms of their needs and wants. Students' ability to uh, see the applications of their knowledge Students' ability to work in the gray, <laughs> you know, yeah. things are not necessarily black and white. Students' ability to work face-to-face with other people. So th- those kinds of things, they they want to see students grow their capabilities in, in that regard. And so they're always encouraging us to to evolve and grow our programs to give students opportunities to to grow those foundational skills. Mm-hmm. And, and we've been doing that through, uh, for example, our capstone course, uh, which is a a problem-solving and foundational skills development curriculum, literally. But we've also done it through ensuring that students have an opportunity for work-integrated learning, for experiential learning, learning in the real world. And now, for example, we have co-op options, I think, in almost every single one of our undergraduate majors. We've been expanding that in the last couple of years. And for the first time ever, we have co-op options in our diploma programs. And those have just been introduced in the last couple of years. And, and those are very popular. They're popular not only uh, for students because they have a chance to earn money during their program, but they're also popular for the students because they want to work, they want some work experience in their field. 
because it helps them in terms of building the resume, uh, but it also helps them in terms of of understanding uh, the application of what of what they're learning. And so when they come back from co-op terms, they're more keen because they're like, oh yeah, now I get why I'm studying X, Y, or Z or D, E, or F. Or, yeah. You know, and and we all know how that is. You, know, you can get into a course and and you're like, why am I learning this? <laughs> but you may come back from a co-op term and go, oh, that's why I was learning that. Yeah. Well, and I think that, that co-op does that a bit earlier because I'm amazed at how many students will email me a couple of years post-graduation and say, you know, I wasn't 100% sure why I was learning that while I was there, but now I have a pretty good understanding of how important that is. And and so uh, I apologize if I had a bad attitude or <laughs> if, I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. if I was a bit grudging at the time. One thing you you haven't said, Rennie, and 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 this is something from my perspective that I'm that I'm seeing a that the university is doing and b that the, the that students are looking for is a little bit greater breadth in skills. You know, so when I was an undergrad years ago, you were. Yeah, I mean, although I did do a BSc in ag economics, and so I had to take some of those basic science courses as 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 part of that. I think that there is a much greater opportunity today to 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 take a breadth of courses and you know I think of some of the students in the BSc AGR where they where they you know may major in plant agriculture but do a minor in business and and understand that we need a a real combination of the technical skills you, know, you talked about some of the foundational people skills, but also maybe some of the business skills succeed. And that's not just for suppliers. That's, that's, that's as true or more true for producers, or, or if I hate the word producers, I think they should call themselves managers, but for farmers <laughs> in terms of managing their assets, land values are, are super high, being smart about marketing, it's not all going through the same funnel anymore. And I think increasingly there will be opportunities to, to produce crops for specific markets. So we'll ship it differently. So, so do, do, would you agree that that breadth of training is true too, that, that it's not just about getting shit on your boots and dirt under your fingernails anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, at, at the end of the day, the whole of the agriculture food sector pretty much exists in the private sector, right? I mean, it, it is an ecosystem of businesses. And so students need to understand that and then need to have some sense of, of what that means. And, and so you're absolutely right that, you know, I, I think many students are looking for gaining some of those business insights and some of that business knowledge to underpin their, their capability to be relevant in the program. You know, we introduced a, a bachelor's of bioresource management stream of undergraduate programs. There's one in environmental management, one in equine management, one in food industry management. We don't have one in agricultural management, but I sometimes wonder if, if we shouldn't introduce that. Those streams are, are very specific in having both a, a technical training mandate, but also a, a business and management training mandate. So, so it's, it's kind of a, it's, it's a very particular type of undergraduate program and and it's, it's very popular and it has been very effective and and we continue to think about it in terms of of uh 
of our agricultural training. I mean, we still have the the Bachelor of Science in Agriculture stream. Students can take some, you know, some limited business courses through that stream. But then more often, those students that have that inclination are are going to go into the BCom Bachelor of Commerce Food Agriculture Business. Um, interestingly, the employers hiring, especially like the banks, for example are keen to hire either of those graduates. Yeah. <laughs> they will hire either of those graduates quite happily if they can get them. And that's another point. There's not enough of them. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and, and so I, I'd like to get back to that, not enough of them in, in, in a second. The, and, and you raised the food industry management and the equine management and, and, you know, the BSC AGRs can do a minor in business. So they, like you say, they can do a, they can do some, courses. Mm -hmm. And I, I see a lot of them in my capstone agribusiness course. The, the other thing that I wonder about, and I know what happens in the food industry management and, and, and a little bit in the, in the BCom as well is, is training across the full spectrum of the food industry so that, you know, you may be going back to the farm, but you have an understanding of how people are making decisions in the in a grocery store or, or or how restaurants influence the food decisions people are making and how distribution and logistics looks and and those sorts of things so it's it's that that whole ecosystem of the food system is as you said at the beginning is much more complex than it is than it has ever been and will become increasingly so i think yeah, you know, you, you make you make such a vital point there. Um, one thing that 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 we worry about, and I know you worry about this as well, is that the students that we're training and our and our industry, especially the the farming industry, doesn't become isolated. You know, the the the, the wonderful thing and the challenging thing about the f agriculture and food industry is that it's driven by consumer choices, and those consumers are primarily not from the farm. So they, they they don't come from that community, and as as we know, you know the the world for each and every one of us is how it occurs to each of us individually. You know, we we each know our own world, and it's really important that our that our students and student recruitment is part of this. But it's really important that our students come to university also to gain a broader perspective, which will help them in terms of being successful in the agri food business because. That is part of the trick is 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 really uh, paying attention to how the wor world occurs to the vast majority of people who are not from the farm, and then to recognize how that results in in the shift in the market or expansion of the market. For for example, the the more we are able to recruit students, and we have to because there are fewer and fewer students from the farm. But the more we are able to st recruit students who come from a diversity of backgrounds, the better it is for our student body because they learn from each other and they get to know each other. I always say, you know, I will take every single student off the farm if we can get them mm -hmm. because uh, they're amazing, they're wonderful. But that's not going to happen because they all have their own aspirations and only some will come to OAC. But increasingly, we have to uh, recruit students who have you know, no farm background at all. And we welcome them because we need really bright students. But, but that starts to create a really good mix of students who then hopefully come out of the program with a broader perspective. Yeah, yeah. 
I could have just as easily said that as you, and and, and I've and I think I've I've said that almost verbatim is is to students not only within the program but outside of the program that university is such a great opportunity to develop understanding up and down the value uh, the food value chain so so that you can be a, an advocate for what we're doing even if that isn't another ag student but but I also think that that there's this real misconception of what kinds of jobs we're training people for that yes a good number of our students go back to the farm yes some of them go work for supply companies and banks and things like that but but I also think that that people need to understand that that students from our college go to work for PepsiCo in food products go to work for uh, Bay Street firms who are looking at uh, investment in food and agriculture go to work for grocery stores as as product managers and and that you know there are the, there is this 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 breadth of potential that I think that a lot of pe that that kids from the farm can go to but but kids from downtown Toronto can come take these courses get a good understanding of the whole system move back to Toronto if that's where they want to be and contribute productively and in challenging and interesting roles that that are uh, that that are not sort of getting your boots dirty, but just as vital to the food industry. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you're you're bang on, and it's it's one of the it's one of our recruitment challenges in that you know the 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 default notion for the Ontario Agricultural College and our programs is that students are, will farm. You know, graduates yeah. will farm. In fact, it, it's it's a it's a Mine, if we look at all of our programs, all of our undergraduate programs, it's it's quite a small minority of of our graduates who actually go and farm. Even in even students coming out of agriculture programs, food ag biz, uh, bachelor of science in agriculture, even the minor, even the majority of them will not be farming, but they'll work in the sectors serving farming. Some somehow most of them. And you're absolutely right. I mean, students can come into our programs and pretty much pursue any aspiration they might have, whether they want to work in a big city or they want to work in the country, whether they want to work for a small local firm or they want to work for a multinational, whether they want to start up their own business uh, or work for somebody else, whether they want to farm or not farm. And applications of disciplines, you know, whether they want to apply some sort of science discipline and a whole range of science disciplines, or whether they're much more interested in, in uh, business, for example, or uh, environmental issues, working with animals, not working with animals, working with plants, not working with pla plants, you know, any kind of anything they want to do, applications of chemistry, microbiology, physics, working in food science, almost any aspiration and in almost any venue, they can pursue that through our programs, which is great, but it makes our recruiting very, very difficult because obviously it's taken me probably a minute and a half to convey that to you. And that's bad news for recruiting in the modern era, especially with social media where, or I could say to you, become a nurse. Yeah. <laughs> and notionally, everybody knows what that means, right? Yeah. 
Whereas it's like, come to the OAC and take one of our programs and contribute to the agri-food sector in some way that suits you best uh, isn't nearly as catchy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but from, I, from cellular agriculture to producing food on Mars to... Yeah, uh, and everything know, in between. Soil, um, soil carbon sequestration to developing trade policy at, at agriculture and agri-food Canada to working yeah. for Loblaw, like that, that whole range. It, it's, it's tough to articulate. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, I'm nothing against nurses, but I would argue that, that those, those students have a much bigger world of opportunity if they come into our programs and then they have to go to nursing college. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, you know, and nothing against nurses, but uh, yep. I think that's just true. Yep. And, and, and so that, that, that that was really what I was hoping we'd we'd cover today is is sort of this the diversity of opportunity the 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 wide range the complexity of the industry that that people I think often don't think about but is real and is both a challenge and a and a huge opportunity and and I think you know there are a ton of opportunities and and the programs are are evolving to really provide people lots of choice and flexibility to, to get exactly what they want. I've taken about as much as your, of your time as I promised. Is there anything you'd like to say that I should have asked you or, or something you'd like to say sort of to summarize as we wrap up, Rennie? Well, I, one, I really appreciate uh, the opportunity, Mike, to, to talk about the programs and, and the evolution of the programs and, uh, and, the, and some of the challenges we face, but also the opportunities. I, I think, I think I'll, I'd leave off just reiterating the, op the opportunities. And, you know, they, they are just so tremendous. You and I are insiders, so, so we see them all the time. But, you know, our, our greatest challenge is to translate our inside knowledge and our enthusiasm and excitement and the reality we understand of the opportunities in the agriculture food sector to young people of all stripes and to say you know if you if you want to go into a sector where there's just you know an endless amount of opportunity where there's where you really can make a difference in the world in things that really matter like food and the environment for example why don't you come into our programs and we guarantee you that you will build a career that you love and where you make a real difference in the world, you know? Perfect. What a great way to end, Rene. Thanks. Thanks for taking the time and uh, look forward to chatting again. Thank you so much, Mike. If the way we train people doesn't reflect the changes in the environment within which they will work, we are not setting them up to succeed. Uh, it was an interesting conversation with Rene to, to talk about what some of the things that we're, that we're thinking about and doing differently to help students maximize their potential and contribute to the ag and food sector going forward. Thanks very much for the conversation, Rene. I also want to thank Zach, the producer of this podcast. He does the hard work and makes us sound good. Uh, I just get to have interesting conversations. I also want to thank you for listening. The audience continues to grow for the podcast, which is gratifying. If you enjoyed this or other episodes, please give us a positive review wherever you find your podcasts. Good reviews help others find us and will allow us to continue to grow. So thanks. Have a great day and looking forward to our next episode.